You're listening to I'm Not That Old Lady, brought to you by Anchor.fm, the easiest way to start a podcast. Oh, dear. Did I get you? Yep, you got me. Oh, good. Hold on. I just automatically hit a button that I normally hit, but I didn't. (laughs) Can you hear me okay? I can. Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. I've got headset on because I always have to use speakerphone usually. Oh. So this works out for me and you, I think, better. Yeah. Yeah. I tried speakerphone the other night and it didn't work, so I'm not using right. speakerphone for me. Right. I figured that it would be bad quality for you, too, if I did. So I thought, oh, let me try my headset. Yeah. Works. Cool. Good. How was your day? crazy oh my gosh long and I waited every I mean I it was just a series of appointments I had to leave here at 7 30 in the morning go get her in Delano run her to Plymouth run her to Waconia run her back to Delano and in between we stopped and grabbed stuff at Target for her and then we stopped at Lund's and grabbed food and then we went to Tim's because we had an hour gap and ran and had lunch at Tim's with Darcy and Tim and Cody and Harper, which is Cody's little three-year-old daughter who is adorable. Oh, my gosh. Mm. And Georgia was home doing school, and so it was really sad because she would have loved that. <clears throat> but, yeah, it was, and then I didn't get home till 630. Wow. Oh, it was a long day. And it, yeah. And like I said, everywhere we went, you can't come in. So I was relegated oh. to either sitting in the car or sitting out on the grass somewhere by a building or, you know, it was really fun. And mm-hmm. every appointment was like an hour long, you know, so I'm sitting there for, seemed like forever. Oh, my. But here we are, and she got everything done, and that was wonderful, so. Good. Yeah. Good. Okay. So you're All settled. Right. I am. I'm sitting outside. And I hope that the background noise isn't too bothersome. Well, no, because this is just a normal conversation between two people on a phone, and that's just the way it's going to be. Okay. <laughs> you just want like you were underwater for a second, but now you're fine again. Oh, okay. Well, I haven't I don't changed. Know if, you, if you touched us up. No, I, don't know. I didn't. No. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So we're going to hope this records. You are being recorded, and this is for the podcast. I'm not that old lady, <laughs> and we are going to have the listeners get to know some of the guests' hosts a little better. And we're going to do okay. that by all. We're all going to answer the same question. Okay. So I've done it, and Sue has done it. And then you're going to do it, and Marva, and Colleen is probably not going to do it. She's, like, really on the fence, but we'll see. Okay. Okay, so. And maybe um, maybe Anita would be a good one to be a non-parent voice. Yeah, maybe. That would be a good suggestion. Okay, so are you ready for question number one? I am always ready. Born ready. All right, so here we go. Um, thinking about when you were growing up, what was your plan for your life and how is it how has that vision changed over the years? Oh my goodness. Um <laughs> Oh my goodness. 
well, I've had planned to marry a prince, but that didn't happen. And, you know, no. I had actually planned on an Olympic pass with my horse. And all I could think about during my, you know, coming up years was my horse and anything to do with that. And when that dream got evaporated with um, us boycotting the 80 Olympics and um, I, I was a young graduate from high school and I had what I would consider a gap year really available to me because I was young and I was also immature academically. I wasn't ready for college and I wasn't emotionally ready for college. And so I took a year and I rode horses and competed all over the country and had an amazing mentor and just um, a really great growing and fun memory now to look back on. Uh, What an awesome experience that was. And um, I didn't really look very far <clears throat> forward. I, I I never was that kid that, you know, I want to get married. I want to have four kids. I want to live in a house that looks like this. I want to be here. I want to go to college and do that. I never, I just, it was always more uh, in the moment for me growing up. But then um, I went to college. And when I, when I made that decision, I knew right away what I was going to study and what direction I was going to go in because of my personal history. Um, I was a terrible, let me retract that, um, a struggling student. I wanted to be a good student. I really was very, very intelligent, but misunderstood and misdiagnosed all the way through. And it was so School was just a, a torture chamber. So that's when I, you know, when I found my horses and found success doing something like that, physical, and um, and I was just, you know, in the limelight because I was an immediate rock star in that venue and had never been because all I had previous was my experience in school, you know, and my experience in school was just awful, horrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was diagnosed with um, dyslexia, which I guess is kind of accurate now that I've spent my entire life studying that. I, the more I study, the less I know. But um, I guess the definition of dyslexia is did not learn how to read at a prescribed period of development. That is um, the situation that I experienced. And... So as a result of that horrible experience, um, I dedicated my life to teaching and being a watchdog for kids that might be in the same boat as I was. Um, Not obvious, not Mm -hmm. low Mm -hmm. functioning, not that kid that is obviously needing special services, you know, um, the one that would fall through the cracks. And I started teaching first grade. And, I mean, I skipped forward now through my college years, got my my bachelor degree, <clears throat> started teaching in first grade, and immediately was that person that got all the kids that needed special help and started doing a master's degree in special education. 
and finished that and did a lot of special ed, but a lot of regular ed stuff too. Um, but once I got on that path, I guess the answer to the question, <laughs> what did my original path look like? What did I expect? What did I do? Um, once I hit the ground in the educational venue, once I figured out I was going to teach, every single step I took after that was dedicated to that forever. And it's still today, 34 years teaching, two master's degrees, a doctorate except for um, the dissertation, and all my years in school. I mean, meaning, meaning teaching as a teacher in a school setting, building schools around the world, working with special needs kids, working in every possible conceivable environment with kids from pre-K all the way up to a 99-year-old man that I taught to read because um, his wife had died and he wanted to learn how to read the Bible independently so that he could read it by himself now and succeeded in teaching him how to do that and he read through the Bible twice. Um, and then he passed away, happy. But um, So, yeah, I guess... Did that answer the question? Copiously, yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what do you expect from me? Well, nothing less. Right. Okay, so <laughs> there I Is am. the point. Is the point. <laughs> question have, number two. Have we met before? <laughs> right. <laughs> question number two is, did you see your parents as role models? Had no choice but to. Okay. I mean, goodness, they were bigger than life, each, each one in their own way, um, both extraordinary people, um, both really well-educated. Education and, and studying came very easy to each one of them, so I was very frustrating for them, but my dad was an entrepreneur and driven like no other and succeeded in developing several amazing things. He invented, he was on the team of engineers that invented first the automated road striper that you see today. My dad was on the crew of engineers that invented that. Cool. He was on the crew of engineers at Ohio Art while he was in college that invented the Etch-A-Sketch. And he just went on from there to do inventive and amazing things um, in the painting industry. He developed and did all kinds of pioneering things in that industry. Uh, my mom was an RN, a nurse, um, spoke Latin most of the time around the house, you know, and taught me by her hip um, basically how to be a doctor, which is wonderful to have as a skill. <laughs> yeah. She also was very driven and good at everything she touched, and I am like that, too. Yes. So... I would say, obviously, it rubbed off on me. My mom was much more of a cheerleader, driver person. So, like, anything I started, we went to the very top of. You know, pony club, all the way to the top. Um, horse show champion. Um, my education, I personally took and just ran crazy with that to the end. Um, Girl Scouts. First class Girl Scout, which is the equivalent to an Eagle Scout. Anything we started, we didn't just do mediocre work. We jumped in with both feet, and you don't quit ever until you have accomplished said goal. Um, 
and I'm still that way. And I, I, as a parent though, and I know that that's probably coming down the line, um, as a question, but I am not that way. I, I have somehow bled all over my child to be that way, but I do not do like my mom did in terms of pushing till I practically broke in half at times. I remember times when I wouldn't wanted to just stop and I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to. Um, I don't do that with mine, but that comes later, I'm sure. But yes, they were role models. Absolutely. Absolutely. And both of them highly social, networking people, knew everybody. I know everybody. Um, if you need something, you ask my mom or my dad and they would tell you who to talk to. And I'm that guy too. Um, so yeah, I would say definitely, they were definitely role models in a good way. And yeah. the, there were some other things, but we won't go to that yet. No. <laughs> okay. So what influence did your friends have on your life? When, at what point? I mean, what does that mean? Give me more information there. Like, no. as a kid or now or in high school or in college? Sure. I mean, cause, pick, uh, pick, pick one one area of time. I would say in every venue. Now, you know, I started in my head real fast. Grade school, high school, college, professional life now. Okay. Um my friends as influencers in my life never redirected me. I hmm. I had friends that were into all kinds of nasty things that I never even got close to because that wasn't what I was going to do. I mm-hmm. was I, it, it was not toward the goal, shall we say. You know, like high school drugs and partying and that kind of thing was just not something. I attended a few parties and I saw people doing things, but that was not something at all that I was interested in at that point. Never have been, still haven't been. Um, I liked the social piece of the partying, but I didn't like any of that other crap that went with it. Um, as a professional, my friends shaped my life in terms of professional colleagues as feedback and developing who I became as a teacher a lot. I mean, I could point back at a lot of people. But again, I also, and I would say I feel like I led the pack in every venue, every, and maybe I misunderstand what happened because that doesn't seem like it's entirely possible. But um, I would say I set the tone for what's going on. And friends come around that or they don't. And I'm okay with it one way or the other. If you choose not to participate or or be part of the environment that I'm in. Um, But I would say my view of all my friends all the way back, the generalization would be that it's collaborative. But I don't think anybody formulated anything that changed my direction in any, any way. Okay. All right. So what advice would you give your younger self? Stay focused on, do a better job of what you really thought you were doing, which was I thought I was focused on the on the goal. I did get distracted along the way a few 
places um, and in relationships, you know, like unmarried relationships really specifically. I would say ditch all that. Stay focused on myself and my self-development and my career and my education and and don't sidetrack and don't think don't second guess <clears throat> if it doesn't feel right in your belly don't do it right because right. i think i think i i spun my wheels in a few places along the way it didn't take long for me to get out of the situations um but it's it caused there's today fallout professionally from relationships that I had with my spouses um and i I feel it every day interesting, okay, so what advice do you give your daughter today? Oh, constantly, all the time, that. Um, she is a chip off the old block, but extremely different than I am. She's way more, oh, way more academically capable, way more uh, solid head on her shoulders, knows she's going this direction um, in a good way. Very artistic, all those things. Um, and I I just keep telling her, don't let people distract you from your goal or your mission. And just listen to your heart. Pray about it. Um, determine what your calling is and how you can take the skills that you've got in your heart and soul, the things that make you happy to do, and figure out how to make that your craft. And don't let anybody distract you from that. Good. Wow. Tall order. But we do we do have this conversation frequently because um, we're at a pivotal point yes. developmentally. She's 15, and um, boys are suddenly a thing. And <laughs> oh my god, that goodness. happens. And it's it very dis- it's very distracting. Yes. <laughs> Pardon me. So you're probably coming up on this, but what was the most difficult time of your life so far? Uh, my my second divorce, when I thought I was in a happy marriage and living the dream, both of us teachers and having a house in a you know home in in Minnesota and the house we lived in in Texas and teaching in Texas and snowboarding even back then, you know, coming home for the summer to miss the heat in Texas and, you know, having just lovely uh, living on the the ranch and training horses and teaching school and having the garden and doing all the things and really enjoying our lives. And then all of a sudden that turned upside down and we won't go through details of that. Nope. But I, lo- I lost my home. I lost my church family. I lost my animals. I lost my career. I lost everything that I had worked for, and I came home completely disoriented, home being Minnesota, and um, had to start over professionally, basically, from square one, and have never really gotten there to where I would want to be. Um, hmm. I, it just really 
turned me inside out. And I am now happily married and I'm professionally in a good place-ish, but it's not where I had thought I'd be for sure. Right now, I should be a retired teacher um, and just living out my my end years, relaxing and enjoying my, the fruits of my work. And that just True. isn't isn't what happened. And so that has been and was and is still a painful piece of my history. Well, how did how did you make it through that period of time? My family, my church family, and my faith. Then Georgia, my daughter, came, and um, those things kept me going. Um, and my friends, you know, that just came alongside, like you and others that have been there forever, um, just cheerleading on. It's the, probably the darkest time, and it was a long it was a good period of years, seven to eight years, that I just was a fish out of water and disoriented and not functioning well at all, just trying to regroup and figure out what to do with myself. Um, and so, yeah, I think I answered that right. Yes. Okay. So what are you most proud of? Oh, boy. I'm most proud of my girl and what she is and what I have done professionally and in my relationships with friends and the network that I have established. Um, But I'm proud of all that I was able to contribute to my craft, to lifting and elevating kids and and adults and children and families to recognize their strengths educationally, academically, and personally. Um, It was my mission in life to help people realize that no matter what your academic strengths are, whatever this is, everybody's got a gift to share. And I'm here to help you find it and polish it up and bring it forward and make it something that you can use for the rest of your life, you know, creating lifelong learners. When, and I, it's funny, I can be on an airplane somewhere and I'll just start talking to my seat companion and within a minute they say, you're a teacher, aren't you? You know, it's just, <laughs> it's not something you have to be standing in front of a classroom to be. It is just my calling. It is what I do. I teach people how to cook. I teach people how to everything, no matter what it is. I just, suck up knowledge and feel it's important to share that with everybody, whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll teach you how to can. I'll teach you how to garden. I'll teach you how to cook. I'll teach you how to whatever. You want to make yogurt? I know how to do that. Let me show you how. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of that kind of attitude of sharing the knowledge and propelling people forward. I think that I'm most proud of that as my legacy and my poor child, I, I tell, I, when she was 10 seconds old laying on my belly, I said to her, I'm so sorry you, you were born to a teacher and this teacher because you are, you are my Petri dish and I'm going to teach you everything. And, you know, I pr- proceeded to try to do that and have done quite a bit of that. Yes, you have. 
Okay, so if you could go back 40 years ago and change one thing, what would it be and why? I would have not gotten married when I did the first time. And I would have dedicated my energy and assets to going straight through and getting my doctorate and be a college professor. Um, and did you say, and why? Mm-hmm. Um, to be most productive. I mean, I've taught at the university level a good bit, and I always was only able to do it as an adjunct because I have, you know, I don't have my terminal degree with, it wasn't conferred, I don't have a conferred PhD or doctorate, and so you can't be a professor <clears throat> until you have that um, or are working on it, which I'm at this point, uh, I don't really feel like I absolutely need to have a doctorate at the end of my career now. I mean, I could, but uh, too much. I've, I'm still working on the parent thing, so that takes a bit of my energy. A little bit, um, yeah. <laughs> and so I've, you know, prioritized, and that goes over to the side. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't have spent energy that wasn't, you know, now that I know what I know, looking back, if I knew what I know, knew what I know now then, I would have skipped all that blah, that went along with that. Okay. So what are you looking forward to the most about growing older? Um, my relationships with friends, my time with children, my children, my now, you know, I've stepped children and I have my own child and I have have now six grandchildren as a result of the step family, blended family thing. Um, spending time developing that family relationship and my relationship with my husband and and embracing my um, creativity, my artwork, my writing, my, you know, the things that have always been um, hobby kind of things, maybe focusing more full-time on those things, um, just relaxing finally for the first time. And I think this um, situation that we are in with COVID has brought for, for to the fore um, my awareness of how absolutely uh, frenetic life had been for me um, to stop and and ha and be forced to stop the things that are most important were all they were all there, but now they are the core pieces they've always been core pieces that the peripheral tornado that was surrounding me was very distracting and and um even appealing to a point um as a distraction. And now I feel more focused on the core elements of my life, which are, you know, my gardening, my artwork, my cooking, my family, those things, um, and just relaxing and and living in the moment and not being, not always looking for what's next, what's next. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Just be present. Yeah. Okay, so do you think kids these days have it easier than we did, or is it harder to be a kid these days? Oh, I think that it's brutally impossible to be a kid today. I really just don't think that they are set set up. Uh, And I'll tell you what, I can speak very firmly in my knowledge base about this because I live with kids when I'm, you know, when we're not in COVID and I'm in the school buildings. I'm in all the school buildings. I'm K to 12. And um, and schools are set up, and I'm speaking directly to uh, the technical nature of our, our world now. The phones, the computers, the cyber everything. Um, and the rate of visual, the rate of commercial, the rate of information at your fingertips is unprecedented and wonderful to a degree. I mean, there's like, it's the sky is the limit. If you want to learn about something, boy, boom, there's the information. We used to have to go like physically to the Dewey Decimal System in the library to go look something up, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> now we just pick up a phone and go, you know, Siri, tell me what about blah, blah, and there it is, and with pictures and everything. And um, so in one way, they have the world as their oyster. If they're able to focus and funnel, but they've been taught, their brains have been taught that they can only focus on something for eight seconds at a time because that is the pace at which information transfer happens on a device. <clears throat> My goodness. And so it's just, I, I don't know. And I think that the because of the connection to cyber, you know, either a computer or a phone, if you look at anybody, you know, oh, gosh, 12 30, even 40, um, cannot sit in a space with other humans and not be glued to a device for any length of time. They Mm -hmm. have to look, they have to check, they have to, you know, FaceTime or Facebook or, or Instagram or who knows what it is. It's always constantly in there. They, it's part if it's an extension of their being, um, and so they don't have the developed face-to-face kind of relationships that we had because we didn't have any other choice. Yeah, there wasn't the device. Right. I I certainly would have been that kid that would have dove into a device had I had that available to me back in the day because um, of proximity. I lived out away from everybody. I struggled with everything and I would have found things that interest me on my device and been happy with that, right, you know. Right. Um and so I think that I was forced to become social because that was what we had. Yeah. And, that's all we had. Right. Right. And I, I think that in in a way, in a very pronounced way, I would be that person that says that that um tech has crippled this generation of people. I'm that 
stodgy old beast that says, I want a textbook, I want a notebook, I want a pencil, you know, um, yeah, go ahead and and research online, uh, but write it down somewhere, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, talk to somebody about it. You know, when I was doing research back during my first master's degree, I was interviewing people face-to-face that were in the field to do my thesis, you know. And now that's not necessary. You just pick up and read their dark, their their uh, periodicals and synthesize it all and put it in a thing, and you never even tell them you're doing it, you know. And when I did it, it was going to have permission to use your work and cite you as a source and what's your feeling about this. And I I think that was really valuable to see, honestly, those people were no different than me. They, some of them, were, in fact, less capable than I. After interview, you know, they became very human. Mm-hmm. And um, so, sorry, I diverge away from the, I, I digress. Um, <laughs> to the, what would I say to the, what do I, wait, read the question to me again. Do you think kids these days have it easier than we did, or is it harder to be a kid these days? Oh, yeah, harder. Because they're propelled forward into an adult world instantly. Yeah. There is no kid piece. No, I know. They skip right past it. Yeah, and I would tell my daughter and I would tell my granddaughters all the time, be a kid as long as you can because you're going to be an adult the rest of your life. That's exactly right. Exactly right. And my my unfortunateness is my child is 40 years old. She was born 40 years old. <laughs> and you know that's true. She's, I do. I do. She's an old soul. And so I have, uh, from the time she could speak, which she spoke just like I'm speaking to you, when she could speak, she started with those kinds of sentences. And she... um. Is was always adult, so I treated her, and I still do, and I have to stop and think about she is, you know, five, she's seven, she's nine, she's 12, she's now 15. Treat her like that appropriately. She's not 40, and it's been a struggle for me because her responses and her processing and the way she thinks is also adult, but they... And but you know and it, and I thought it was just because of our culture, but when I get around her her uh, peers, mm-hmm. they're not mature. In fact, I fear that they never will be mature, um, and they don't have that EQ, emotional intelligence that. Mm-hmm. Um, is so it's such a life skill that you can't. I don't think you can teach EQ to people. I think you either have it or you don't. I don't know. Maybe you can well, think, a little. I think but. they learn it the hard way. But she has it. Yeah, but the rest of them will learn it the hard way. So okay, let's go on. Yeah. All right. We will probably be in the same nursing home in thirty years. What are you most afraid of about growing older? With you there. Oh. <laughs> He's standing on my cord. Um, 
Oh my God. That's uh, so funny. Well, it's true. <laughs> You'll unplug me. <laughs> She's looking bad. She's looking bad. Let's unplug the. We'll, we won't use that word. Okay, sorry. <laughs> we can. It's a podcast. It's fine. No, it's just not me. Oh my gosh. Um, what do I fear most? Being there. I don't want to be there. In fact, Tim and I, my brother, Tim and I were talking today at lunch, and he's a retired teacher, too. We both started teaching actually the same year. He's 10 years older than I am. Said that the average person resides in a nursing home for 11 months before they die. It's not a long extended term deal. It's short term. It and then and now he's pointing at averages and he's that math guy. And um and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I don't know. Even the nice push cushy ones, um, I think, ugh, no, I just can't imagine. What would I be most afraid of? Not being able to plant a garden and play and be outside and go like I do. Those things my independence. Yeah, I was is, gonna say, you're afraid of losing your independence. Absolutely, which I think any sensible, sane person that is going into that circumstance fears that. And and I have absolutely, absolutely. Be- I have some beautiful friends that are in long term care that I visit frequently that I just adore because they're brilliant minds and their amazing lives that they've shared with me. Um, they're just this wealth of history. Um they don't feel that way. But I think that the human mind is an amazing thing. She, The one person I'm thinking of right now um, couldn't be happier where she is. It's just perfect. You know, it's just the greatest thing in the world. But I'm looking at her life, and she really accomplished some amazing things. And I'm thinking, wow, Joan, really, you're happy just getting up in the morning and going to your breakfast and doing your craft pot and pottery, whatever, and <sighs> this is really okay with you, huh? You know, and I'm just thinking, maybe you just have to get to a place like I was talking about earlier of being in the moment and being present and being okay with where you're at. You know, uh, Theodore Roosevelt said, do the best you can right where you are with what you have. Well, there you go. And I think I've I this moment in time that we're in where we're still out and about and doing our lives, I still feel like that is something I need to say to myself every day. And if I go into a nursing home someday, I guess that model would still apply. Um but what do I fear most is my loss of independence and just being, I don't. I don't think, you know, my my knee jerk response is to be alone. I don't want to be, you know, away from everybody that I love and know, and I don't want to be alone because that's like the worst thing for me ever. Anyway, always has been. Yeah, and I don't the, think you get any privacy in a in nursing home. Believe me. No, but but it's not the same kind of interaction I'm talking about. You know, right. that intimate the intimacy that you have with family or loved ones, you know, mm-hmm. that's just cluttery people, a crowd, that's a crowd, you know, <laughs> those people are a crowd, um, but you know what I'm saying, I, I would miss my 
connections, I think. Or you could make new ones. You don't know. I would. You know I would. You, yeah, I know you would. Okay, so do you have any regrets? Oh, that's a loaded one. Um, I have... Condense it down, dear. I will try my best. Um, just because of the way that I live my life, I try to say there is no point in having regrets. We live and we learn and we move on. And, you know, people that end the relationship and move on, you know, after 20 years of marriage fails, whatever, I wasted the best years of my life on that, blah, blah, blah. You know, no. What did you learn in the process? You can't say that you waste your life. You can't um, have regrets. I think a regret is a waste of time and energy. Um, However, I still have them, but I agree with you. Right, right. And if I were to, if you were to make me be honest, I'd say, I guess I regret that I got distracted along the way and it derailed my best plan for where, but I wouldn't be where I am, which is in a beautiful place now. You know, every step I took led me to where I'm standing now. And had I taken different steps, then I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't have Georgia and I wouldn't have my husband and I wouldn't be back home where I am, you know? And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I have to count that as a blessing, even though there is a piece in the back of my mind that says, dang it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. So final question. Mm -hmm. Are you afraid of dying? Oh, heavens no. No. I have a deep faith um, and believe wholeheartedly that this that we are living in is a blink of an eye and that I have eternity in glory with streets of gold and my mansion is waiting for me. You know, so in fact, when I get feeling like um, I wish I could take all those vacations and drive that fancy car and live in a bigger house with a kitchen and a Lola, I stop myself and think, you know what, this is just now. This is this is our human experience and you've got a millennia ahead of you that is not this. This is just a blink of an eye. We are but dust in the wind. Right. You know, so um, do I fear death? I I have a lot of things I want to do, of course, because we're human. We grab onto our environment and we think that this is it. You know, we're we're geared that way, but and that that's part of the plan too. You know, that's part of the design that we're supposed mm-hmm. to embrace where we are. And um, am I ready to just step off the curb now? Not really, but mm-hmm. if I did, I'd be okay. Okay, very nice. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. That wasn't so bad. <laughs> Oh no, I didn't. I didn't think it would be. <laughs> it's been an interesting journey for me. I mean, I've known you forever in a day, so. Yeah. Oh yeah, and would you say that? Um, those answers that I gave you were predictable. Yeah, absolutely. Were there any surprises? Well, yeah, I. I I I forgot. I had forgotten that your mother was 
a nurse. And then I thought, oh, yeah, I knew that. And I, I wasn't, I didn't know about your father's patents and, and the things he helped invent, but I did know he was in the painting industry. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he started actually in college with um, in vitro fertilization for cattle Going when he put it, he put himself to college working on um, the, the Ohio research and development stuff um, with cows and fertility and that kind of thing. Um, so his background is very science based, and um, it was anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and your parents are both passed away. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, a couple family members too. Yeah. Yeah, have had a lot of a lot of grief. Yeah. Which is also. You know that colors how you embrace life. It does. It changes how you uh, love. I think. You are and appreciate where you are right now and doing whatever you can with what you have. Right. At the well. Well. Right. But I'm, I guess I would say I'm not. I've never been very reserved. It's not like I've had to let loose. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah. No. But I would say that what it has taught me is tell everyone that you love that you love them. Mm-hmm. Now, right now, um, you never know. You just don't yeah, know. You just don't. You just don't. Well, I do love you. Oh, like buckets, buckets mm. and buckets. And love you, you are, back. You are so valuable to me. And um, I just, I, I love your insights and your whip, and my dog is now next to me playing with her ball. I was like, what is dying next to you? That is my dog playing with her ball. I'm sitting here looking at a tiny little bunny eating grass and looking at me, and he takes a bite of grass and looks at me. And my dog would, she'd look at it real hard for about a second. And she'd eat it. (laughs) She would. That would not be good. I would not like that. My dogs eat stuff like that. My dogs run to the fence and want it to play with them. Yeah, when your dogs are the same size as the bunny. (laughs) Yes, they are. But Rosie, your favorite, will stand and dig at at the edge of the gate, you know, and make the bunny move because it wants to play. It makes the bunny move. (laughs) So silly. Oh, my goodness. Okay, my dear. Well, I have to go call our other friend that lives on the other side of the world and all right. And we will talk again soon because right. this is a, a podcast for women our age that don't feel old. And I don't like it when people try and tell me that I'm an old lady and I'm just like, I'm not that old lady. I'm really not. No, no, no. In fact, I, I have that constantly brought to my attention when I'm with Georgia's friends because I'm, I'm often you know, when I see adults and I'm bringing Georgia somewhere and they say, oh, your grandma, you know, because I have white hair and I um, am an older mom. And um, and we all laugh because, no, this is my daughter. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. And then the kids all say, oh, but she's, you know, she's 
12 years old. You have to meet her. <laughs> and all the kids and I play, you know, together. And they all tell Georgia, you are so lucky you have that mom because she's like just the coolest mom because I play. I go to school and play with my friends. That's what I've always said. That's awesome. It's That's true. Awesome. When I taught first grade, oh, my gosh, I was in my heyday because I stopped development at about seven. <laughs> so first grade was perfect for me. Well, there I you just, go. I can't believe they paid me to do this. Oh, my gosh. You know, It's wonderful stuff. Yeah. All right, my dear. Well, I'm going to let you go. All right. And we will talk again soon. Yes. Okay, cool. All right. All right. All right. Love you. Love you, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to I'm Not That Old Lady. I really appreciate your time. I think that we can work a few things out with your help. I I would like for you to contact me. Email me at I'm Not That Old Lady at Yahoo.com. And thank you for helping with the conversation. And thank you for subscribing. It's so amazing. This podcast has really taken off and it's because of you. So continue to share with your friends and family, male or female, old or young. I think we're all going to learn something. I really appreciate it. And don't forget to share your part of the conversation with uh, an email to me. Just give me a shout at... I'm not that old lady at yahoo.com. And we will continue the next episode with the daughters. <laughs>